All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have the return of Elia and Jeff from Charming Disaster. Charming Disaster is a folk duo with a gothic twist to it. If you enjoy folklore, crime, myth, magic, science, and the occult, then the topics of Jeff and Elia's songs are for you. Their last record, Our Lady Radium, honed in on Marie Curie and the story of the Radium Girls. Their new record that's coming out, Supernatural History, applies that approach to songwriting in a bunch of different topics, such as monsters and bats and disembodied heads. And it's... (laughs) It's fun. It's fun. It's like, if you dig B-horror movies, you're going to dig Charming Disaster. Now, in my last uh, talk with them, we dive deeper into their history and the forming of the band and their songwriting approach. This one, this conversation, we mostly focus on the new record. And uh, before we even plug a new tune from it, if you're in Cleveland, April 29th at the Whizbang Theater, Charming Disaster is going to be there performing. I'm going to be there. Zig is going to the gig. The title. Also accompanying this new release of Supernatural History, Charming Disaster is putting out their own deck of oracle cards. Each card features a song they've put out, and you guys might know the bit from the shows when they use tarot cards to pick the set. So now it's uh, now you can get custom cards with uh, Charming Disaster tunes on it. It's really cool. Not too many bands do cool things like that. So that's available as well. Um, we're going to listen to a tune. Uh, we kind of get into the tune Disembodied Head in our conversation. So we're going to listen to Disembodied Head off Supernatural History by Charming Disaster. Disembodied Head by Charming Disaster, Supernatural Histories, the album available now on all streaming platforms. So, Clevelanders, if you're hanging out by the Whizbang Theater in Cleveland Heights, April 29th, you can catch Charming Disaster live. 
It's going to be a good show. I highly recommend it. And if you dig what you just heard and you have a more historical questioning or more musical theory like songwriting uh, inquiry, check out our first conversation because we dive way more into it in that. Uh, episode. Anywho, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing their insight with you. And without further ado, here we go. Here's my conversation with Charming Disaster. I'm bummed. I, I was hoping uh, when you guys were in Cleveland, um, well, actually, I had no clue that you, when you guys were in Cleveland, there was that whole performance thing at that in front of Tower City. And yeah. I, I sent you guys a message on Facebook because I realized uh, walking past this cool circus tent that uh, they're like, oh, we have some musical acts. And I'm like, I know these guys. Yeah, <laughs> we had forgotten that you were in Cleveland. Um, and we would have uh, we would given you a shout if we had remembered. And we did get that message. And then uh, I guess you couldn't make it in the end. Yeah, because I had a gig that day. And I'm like, damn, if I could just be here for another hour or two or whatever <laughs> it was. But it was such a crazy small world, you know, and it's kind of like, when you uh, reach out and do all these things, just like you guys are doing, and like I'm sure you see it more as you're hitting the road more, but just kind of meeting the faces and the voices you talk to is, it's it's awesome. Like it puts, it, uh, you know, it makes it real. It is really right. awesome. Um, good news, we're coming back to Cleveland at the end of April. Nice. So, Where at? Yeah. Um, the Whizbang Circus Theater. So the tent you saw is uh, the Whizbang Tent, um, which is a project of uh, Pinch and Squeal, who are a Cleveland-based vaudeville duo. But they also have a theater in Cleveland Heights, which is this like adorable black box kind of theater. Um, and it's great. And it's sort of become our our like yeah, our place where we play in Cleveland when we come through. Um, so yeah, it's like a it's like a fifty seat theater, and it's really cute. And um, they're and they're gonna open for us. So it'll be like little vaudeville. Uh, mm -hmm. Act and then we'll do our show. Oh, that's so cool! What, it was April. What? Let's make sure this April, day. Dude. It's April 29th April Saturday. 29th, Saturday. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely gonna try to be there at that one. Uh, yeah, let's put you on the list. Yeah. No. Okay. Then I'm definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Um. And another it, it, kind of uh, jumping. Let's jump in with that. Let's keep that in the beginning. We're in it now. <laughs> But another another wild, uh, tur uh, like small world happening with that whiz bang event. Um, so, like I've, I've told you guys, I, I'm a music teacher, and the science teacher at uh, at my work was like, "Yeah, you know, we went to this thing downtown, and we saw this really cool band called uh, Charming Disaster." I'm like, "No way!" <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I feel like we're achieving like like you know um, some kind of like critical mass in, yeah, in Cleveland, yeah. yeah. Saturation. We're yeah, achieving right. market everywhere, saturation yeah. among the circus and science community of, yeah. of Cleveland. <laughs> well, it was so cool because he was he was uh, telling me about your last record. I'm like, I know it's really good, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Oh, neat. Who is the scientist there at yours? His name know. was Alex. I'll oh, give you a last name and everything uh, after the podcast, but like his name's <laughs> Alex. And um, he was like, he was so into like, it's like, yeah, it's all about Marie Curie and the Radium Girls. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's so good. <laughs> yes, it's working. Our, right. our world domination plan is working. That's really fun. But um, uh, so the kind of tie that all that crazy happening into the new record coming from like a very kind of focused record on radium and uh, the people around it uh, marie curie and the radium girls with this next record supernatural history it's kind of uh, going through it like because I, I like to listen to everything and then read about it it's like it hits all these different genres in a way that um are like it's similar to your type from listening to the past dis discography but also fresh and like it's like hitting some of that science in like mm -hmm. historical context, but also not as like a clear focused as like the last record. Was that kind of an intentional choice or were these songs kind of just popped up as you were writing them in related mm. contexts? Well, I think the last record, Our Lady of Radium, was more of a departure in the fact that it was, you know, a focused uh, subject. This whole album is about one, that whole album was about one thing. But this, you know, supernatural history is just like a continuation of all of our interests. Um, you know, 
be it natural history, be it occult stuff, be it, you know, folklore and that kind of thing. So it's this is more of kind of how we've been doing things in the past. Yeah, like, uh, although I, I feel like we sort of like gathered in yeah. some of the, the scientific focus totally. of, um, of Our Lady of Radium to, to kind of go along with our, our occult interests. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we, we typically, we kind of collect songs, like we're, mm -hmm. we're always working on something, like we always have some song at some stage of the pipeline. Yeah. So like right now, for instance, we have this new album coming out we are starting to do pre-production work on some new songs for what will probably be the next album. And we're working on a brand new song that's not even totally written yet. So like we always have something at yeah. some stage. Like we're, we're not the kind of band that like goes in. We're like, okay, we're going to write an album right. and then we're going to record that album. And like, that'll be the album. We've kind of always got things at different stages. So yeah. um, when we sort of reach enough songs to have an album, we sort of look at it and we're like, what did we do? Like, mm -hmm. what do we have right. here? How does this, you know, and, and with this, you know, with supernatural history, it all kind of hangs together in the sense that it's like a, you know, the, the, the theme of it is that it is a cabinet of curiosities. You know, there are all these, these separate things that are connected in, in this way, you know, in our interest of, you know, wondrous things. Yeah, basically. like like the, the the connecting thread is like our sense of curiosity mm -hmm. and wonder, and like the like oh my gosh, isn't this neat? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's science or you know some occult thing. It's just like oh, this is cool. So that's that's kind of that is the focus, you know, in retrospect of this album. Yeah, kind and of like, like as it collects, we're like oh, this this all makes sense. This hangs together in this way. Yeah, and like you know. It's, it's an approach to the world that mm -hmm. is really rewarding, like to to like be open to learning new things and being surprised by things and kind of delighted by like the weirdness of the world around you. <laughs> That's beautiful. And like kind of bouncing from our last conversation when like, because I was asking a little bit about the research for the last record, um, it almost seems like this is kind of like, because the other one's having more of the occult and like, diving into that curiosity and celebrating it in a way like which is your exp your guys's expression which is music um it, it seems like so and and with the, what you guys just said the science is kind of creeping in maybe a little more in this aspect of you guys so like it it's a really cool like i guess just writing process because when when it comes to like being a creative and being like a, a musician and always like or a songwriter. Being a songwriter, you're oh, it's like a numbers game. You're always just kind of writing, so like mm -hmm. kind of celebrate the research and stuff you guys enjoy in that way is really cool. And is that kind of why this process keeps turning? Is it like the like oh, mana rays are cool. Check this out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. totally. And there's there's lots of things that are sort of like in that backlog where it's like oh like we ought to have a song about poisonous plants, right. which which becomes hellbore. But like, you know, we, we've been saying that for like a long time yeah. before it yeah. actually came to pass. And like, there are things now that are like that where it's like, oh, like vampire squids are really cool. Yeah. Like maybe we're gonna, maybe we ought to have a vampire squid yeah. song. Or a point. song about our, our double, some like doppelganger that's out to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's all of our songs. I, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, we we do we get i mean even when we're on tour driving like that's one of the ways that we like amuse ourselves on the mm -hmm. road like we'll be like oh like what's saltpeter anyway yeah. like that comes up in like yeah. you know revolutionary war stuff like what was saltpeter like why was it important for the revolutionary war and then like you find out it's made from like you know and it's like animal urine yeah uh -huh. yeah we don't, but it's like you, you like <laughs> Start by like looking stuff up and then like yeah. you go down all these weird pathways and sometimes you just you, it's hard to predict what will kind of spark right. enough of a of an obsession to to become a song yeah um but yeah bats bats and manta rays um mm -hmm. poisonous plants were definitely subjects that that hit those marks yeah. for us <laughs> and some just kind of come out of out of you know our subconscious and we're like sitting down and something will come up and we're like oh this is this is about a disembodied head, like, like, and then, you know, once there's a spark and then we infuse it with the, you know, where we're at and what we're thinking of at the time about different things yeah, you know, I mean, that relate to that. 
it is hard it is hard for us because we're, we've been so busy it is sometimes hard to like carve out the mm-hmm. kind of time and space where you can go like chasing those images and sort of see where they lead you in an open-ended way and we, we've been talking a lot right just lately yeah. about um needing to kind of feed the source replenish spring and just like take in interesting stuff and see where it goes um so i think there's some of that in our near future really yeah. too that's all awesome. i mean it's great to be busy and it's great to have all the things and it's great to have the next thing lined up you know so you're never like there's never the panic of like uh what do we do now you know what i mean oh yeah the- oh yeah i mean there is always the like deeper panic but I remember, like, before Chiming Disaster, when I went, my band played more sporadically, my previous band, Sweet Soubrette, like, I always had the feeling, like, as long as I knew when the next gig was, like, I sort of, I was okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we know what's happening, at least for the next six weeks, because, like, there's there's a gig, and, like, hopefully, you know, it's like a yeah. breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and this band, we have so much coming up that it's like, well, we, we know yeah. what we're doing through, like, July. Right. So that's and like yeah. yeah and maybe next year a little bit <laughs> that's fantastic to have that booked up that's amazing uh, and i totally agree with that it's like is with with anything in music there's no guarantee that you'll get asked to play back you know it's like you work so hard to get in the door and try to make the show all right and then doing what you guys are doing when you're traveling through different towns it's always trying to find some type of audience you know like no matter how well the internet works reality works differently um and so the fact that you guys are that it's panning out in these that that's 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 like the biggest breadcrumb this is working we can go back to cleveland (laughs) right people care people 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 have been responding to what we've been doing and that's been really exciting and yeah and humbling at the same time I mean, a lot of a lot of what we do in terms of booking out is like we we I mean, I send out like a million. I probably send out a dozen emails at least for every like show that actually happens. And a lot of that is a lot of that is like, you know, kind of trying to create the world we want to live in. Um, So, for instance, we are going to play our second show at the Science History Institute in Philadelphia this summer. And that came about because we were like, oh, we've got these Curie songs. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- we should we should try to play some science yeah. museums. And we reached out to a bunch of them, and this place responded, and we did a show there that was really cool. And um, and so we, but they didn't like invite us back. I was, we were like, right. hey, like, you want to have Remember us back? Us? Remember us? Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, like, sure. let's, uh, oh yeah, like, let's make that happen. Let's so there's a there's a lot of like active like. Mm-hmm. making things happen yeah. oh, of course of course yeah yeah and like what you got what's so cool in like endearing and inviting about you guys is just the vibe in the culture you create around you like as a band like or as a musical act sometimes that is the hardest part to have like an identity and you mm-hmm. guys have this like just ad- addicting and like fun <laughs> and like inviting like identity that i don't see with a lot of bands and the fact that you can find an outlet like a science like hearing that you guys are uh, like i remember i think i remember seeing that post i'm like that makes sense that's so sick it's, <laughs> you know what i mean like that's so cool and it's so cool that like uh, you can make like you i 100 percent agree with what you're saying i didn't mean to like imply the other way we oh, do no. you know we do create our own where we are and where we fit and and it but it's just like you're saying it's endless work and endless emails into the void but i think with you guys you have this special thing that's already like encompassing about you um that makes it like oh yeah i can see them playing in a, a aquarium with the with the manta rays for a music yeah. video for this yeah. like yeah, yeah for any aquarium owners listening to this yeah. please book us for your yeah. aquarium or show. if you have a personal aquarium <laughs> that's really large and wide. <laughs> Or in the aquarium, we or would in play the in the aquarium. Yeah, we'll take some, yeah, some kind of like bubble, like a like one of those like diving bells. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. No. We're <laughs> open to everything. Yeah, and you know, in Cleveland, as you were saying, like you have a friend who's a science teacher who's heard of us. You saw us at the, at, you know, playing at the Wizbang Circus, and then we're also at the the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic there. I mean, we're not in it, but we're yeah. you know, 
our stickers, they know us there. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we try to visit when we come through. And say, those are our three main, you know, a, a, a large science, science, witchcraft, which, and, and circus. circus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But those are those are three markets no bands hit ever, which is what's so cool. And the music is like so good itself. It doesn't need those markets, but it has those markets, which is like or not markets or like whatever you call like interest. Like, I, like yeah. it's so cool. And like it's, it's really fun for us to play a, a tour where we get to hit all three of those kinds of places in the same route. We're like, okay, well, we're going to yeah. play the, the witchcraft museum, and then we're going to play, like, the circus tent, yeah. and then we're going to play the, the science institute. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it, like, one of the most, makes me get, makes you guys one of the most fun bands to follow. <laughs> <laughs> because of that. And, like, but, like, like in the kind of maybe the through let through the through line I can talk this morning the through line with everything like the kind of go back to the content is like this this curiosity of each one of those things and going through um this new record uh, I can't remember the tune I remember it was on the later half of the record I want to say it was seven the seventh song six six seeds maybe or uh Paris green it was there's a line in there that goes the magic in the margins. Oh, oh that's, that's, Grimoire. that's from Grimoire. Grimoire. Yeah. Okay, I was on the wrong half of the album. Um, yeah. But I, there, I think each one of these topics that you guys intrinsic, intrinsically like and are drawn to have that magic in the margins. Like even something mm. that's so like studied and planned out, there's a magic that that kind of works. And like I don't know if that was the intent within the tune. Um, but that line stuck out to me. Um, mm. What is the magic in the margins for you guys with some of these topics that you're covering in some of these like areas and uh, tagline, not taglines, I don't want to say markets, interest, interest. <laughs> Fears. That you're drawn to. Fears? Fears. Spheres. Spheres. Um, yeah. Um, Making magic in the margins. Um, you know, I think part of it has to do with not necessarily differentiating and separating the different kinds of things, like um, that there there are like mythological and poetic symmetries when you're mm -hmm. talking about, um, you know, something from the natural world. So like like that song, like like much of the much of the imagery in that song is kind of literal imagery about like what about looks like what its experience looks like you know mm -hmm. yeah. um but but like there's a resonance there with with the sort of Aesop's fable of a bat being neither a bird nor a beast and being the sort of like lone figure among the animals um to the the kind of vampire Dracula associations um you know yeah. like like you can take something that is just uh like a fact in the world and then you can kind of make it like resonate with with all these other kinds of um, evocative and and metaphorical um, illusions, which which is where you get like the, the magic, I think. Yeah, and the wonder, you know, it's. I think people who study, you know, bats, for example, they're they're drawn to it, drawn to that study because it is so exciting and interesting and mysterious and. You know, it might hit on certain personal resonances for them, but it's, it's, I, I believe it's rarely just like a technical interest of a thing. It's like people are to cephalopods, you know, and octopi, because, octopuses, because they're so exciting and they're so smart and, you know, whatever it is that, that people get drawn to. Um, yeah. I, I think there's so much that is like the magic and the wonder and like the, the origins of a lot of these these amateur naturalists from the, you know, 1800s and 1700s, where those were the people that were studying things because that's, there wasn't that field of study yet. You know, they were just interested in this thing or this rock or this, you know, and they would just take it upon themselves to be like, oh yes, let's, you know, let's explore this, this thing. Or like, I've, I've gotten these beautiful gems and, you know, I'll just display it in my, cabinet and invite my friends over we'll drink absinthe <laughs> or whatever it is and talk about it um, i think that there's so much magic in in the natural world um and i think also the magic in the margin i i think of us just like doing our thing kind of like on our own regardless of you know what or the mainstream 
you know, impulses are to do. Like we're, we're creating the world that we want, I think. And it's, you know, I, I think our, our interests or our priorities are like, oh, what's the cool thing that we want to do? Yeah. And so we're all over here in our corner, like working on things that, you know, may or may not be, you know, mainstream in a way. You know, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like it's been like a wonderful surprise to us that as many people yeah, are interested exactly. in what we're doing as as they are. Like, yeah. like we we kind of are if we had planned to um, be you know, to have like the, the level of success that we've had, like, mm -hmm. this is not what we would have planned to yeah. do. <laughs> right. That's well, I think that's, I think that's well said. And I definitely think there is definitely like, I don't, I, there is probably a handful of people who are like, I really like the technical aspects of the aerodynamics of bats. So I'm going to, but <laughs> I, I'd, I would like to in, imagine, and I, I feel like it's probably more relatable personally to, 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 to be in the wonder of what a bat is, how it works. Like as a kid, you're like, what did they, they see at night? How did, you know what I mean? Like there's this, mm -hmm. there's this intrinsic, like what if, and maybe that's the magic in the margins is that, is that little excitement from trying to figure out how a thing works. And like, I def, cause you definitely see that with the cult and like all, there's something that's so drawing with that. And like, it's not the answer there's it's not the answer that you take off the ghost mask and it's old man jenkins and the, <laughs> they, they solve the mystery but it's it's the leading up to that yeah, yeah. i i think that's exactly right you know there's there's the idea of mystery in the sort of spiritual sense like not in like the agatha christie sense where like it's something mm -hmm. solvable but like this idea that there is like there's something unknowable mm -hmm. out there and like like just sort of grappling with the unknowable is like that is the thing that is exciting that, that's yeah. what you and you know and, and as an artist I think as like a scientist as any sort of discoverer um you know but but as an artist speaking to our own experiences mm -hmm. like you have to get comfortable with not knowing and and because like I don't know like I don't know how we how a song happens like we have written a lot of them mm -hmm. but like how do you go from like this is not a song to this is a song like there's something that happens and like yeah. and i could not tell you what it is or when exactly the moment is when yeah. it happens it's funny i had a friend who's an artist when he was really just discovering that they were an artist and like you know and committing to it he's like you know it, we're just like scientists without the education <laughs> you know it's like without the focus it's like it's the same thing it's like being a scientist without you know the the focus of of higher education. <laughs> it's or it's like being the scientist without the the uh, excruciating number crunching. <laughs> like, yeah, right. The without, right, without having to take statistics. Yeah, or, the fun part. You know, the writer Grace Paley, who is a, a, a one of the artists who I I admire the most. Um, she was a writing teacher, and some of her like writing teacher prompts are published in one of her books and she talks about needing to not know everything about the character that you're writing about like okay. that you you need to have a, to be sort of discovering things as you go also otherwise yeah. like there's sort of no point to, to yeah. making your story and yeah. yeah yeah it's like you know in the recording process like you know we have things that we know we want to do when we're recording but Ideally, we leave room open to kind of let those magical things happen and be open and accepting to that. Yeah. So, for instance, when we were this album, we started um, uh, we started recording um, some of the tracks ourselves at home um, to to finish in the studio. And we were like on such a roll creatively because we were kind of in that mode that we, we took a little break to do some songwriting and we uh, we each started working on something separately and we, we said we'd bring it together and like see see what we had each made. Yeah, do a show and tell. And, uh, and so uh, we came back together. Yeah, and I was like, what's what's your song about? Monsters. And I was like, what's, what's your, your song, song about? about? Like, Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like, but really different. Yeah, yeah the song different but we we kind of 
Frankenstein them together. And, and that's what made the That's song. the first track on the album. I was going to say, is that Monsters? <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> Monsters. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Jeff started with a, we, we live in the black. We mm-hmm. eat when we can. That was, that was Jeff's bit. And mm-hmm. my bit was, um, can't help what we hunger for with appetites of carnivores. And, um, and we, you know, yeah. When in doubt, just do both things. Yeah, do both things. <laughs> those are both great lines. Like those are those are both great song seeds. Like <laughs> did, yeah, uh, it was, was this was recorded really... in that house where you guys recorded Our Lady Radium? Yeah. So or this rehearsal uh, uh no. songwriting what? experience? Yeah, so this album it's um it, there's kind of two groups of songs. This, this album is a Frankenstein it's true. monster. It's... <laughs> recording process yeah so for about half of the songs we went back to my parents house where we had recorded our lady of radium and we recorded ourselves um the guitar and ukulele and the vocals and um and also including monsters um and these tracks we we took with us to tonal park in uh tacoma park maryland where we've worked um um for many years with uh don godwin who's a our recording engineer, collaborator, co-producer, multi-instrumentalist, pal, who we make do things on our records. <laughs> hey, oh my gosh, he does yeah. a lot of things. We're like, hey, Don, like, how about, like, what, how many, which, which horns do you, are you playing these days? He's like, well, I've got like a baritone horn and I've got a trombone. <laughs> Let's but, do the trombone. Yeah. Oh, and the trumpet. Yeah. Um, we wrote you a part. Like, it kind of goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was half of the songs, including Monsters. And the other half of the songs, um, we we were um, in a recording studio in Brooklyn uh, called Figure Eight Studios with our near um, Hillary. Hillary, I'm blank space. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Hillary Johnson. Hillary Johnson. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> um, and we recorded. Uh, then with uh, drummer and bass player, uh, the drummer, my friend Rob Garcia, that I've known since first grade and uh, played music with him for many years. And, and Bob Smith, who was my bass player in Sweet Sue Brad, who I've known for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had the Roberts as our... With the Roberts <laughs> as a rhythm section. And we, we got to play with them in the studio live, you know, the basic tracks. Um, and that was really fun. Yeah, to, so that was Disembodied that. Head. And succeed and hellbore and mold in the metals. And mold in the metals, yeah. yeah. And um, so that was a very different process. Also, to have someone kind of like, you know, uh, co-producing us and like giving us pointer—not pointers, but like suggestions, making suggestions as we were recording. That was also yeah. Cool. Just listening, yeah, listening. listening like she's got really amazing ears. ears. Yeah, and so she she would we, we'd be focused on just like not getting it wrong and she'd be like that like yeah. you could do that better yeah or, that, try like, that and, yeah. <laughs> or try it try doing it slightly differently yeah yeah so that was it was very cool getting to mm-hmm. have that experience as well an experience that we had originally scheduled for 2020 and then had gotten pushed back because of the pandemic yeah got it it's, it's, and, sorry Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, then we took both of those those recordings, you know, and kind of Don had did the final kind of like mixing on everything to give it the cohesiveness that that uh, we could. So I think it came up. Yeah, no, definitely. It doesn't sound like it doesn't the mastering, the levels all sound through line. You know, it doesn't like it doesn't hit me as like as I'm listening, like, oh, these are two separate sessions, you know, or more (laughs) like. Um, so that, that, that Frankensteining bit of the record was attached. Um, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that you could tell that and like, that's, it's, right. an, it's annoying. Cause that you think that part should be kind of easier to mitigate, like at the very end process, whatever. But like, uh, one through, it's interesting that like, um, that batch of tunes was with a live band and like the kind of touch, like having someone there to like, just be like, yo, do this different, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so critically important because just like you yeah. said, you're, you're in your heads about getting the thing, you know, right, you know, and like, maybe you're not even thinking about uh, what the bass player did because, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to do everything and listen to everything. Yeah. It's a different time. part of the brain. Yeah. You know, there's the like 
performing these things, you know, playing the music correctly in time and pitch yeah. and like focus on that. And then there's the more kind of aesthetic overall, you know, larger picture view, which some like a producer, co-producer can have. Yeah. Well, on granular too, where you're like, oh, like right. the bass cl- the bass part, like didn't do the like, you know, ascending thing, right. which we like in this part. And so we want to go back and do that again. Right. Um, in the studio with Don, so so we we had our like you know it's it's a it's a kind of a weird way to record like typically we start with the rhythm tracks and like layer stuff over that and this was like the other way around yeah top down yeah top down so we had and we'd recorded to click so like it you know wasn't all over the map um, but we we had we we got Don to play drums on top of what we had recorded, and then also bass. But like separate, so he's the rhythm section doing mm-hmm. it in layers. Um, but the thing that was really fun about that um, was that we got to play producer in that role, and we could just listen to what was happening. Yeah. And, you know, and offer him feedback in the same way, like, oh, like, you know, that part where you were just like doing cross sticks like that, you know, that's really effective. Can like you do that all the time? Like do this. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That that okay when you're in that chair, it's that's a really fun chair to be in. Yeah, yeah, that's a really fun seat to be in because you got your part done. We recorded it to the click. We spent hours grinding our skulls on this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like playtime. Um, so yeah, so that was fun getting to kind of take yeah. turns being in that scene. And we, you know, we were also doing like backing vocals and some, um, Hammond organ parts. parts. So we, we were all kind of taking turns in the hot yeah. seat and that was really fun. Yeah. It's those little details when you get to put them there and hear them when you can see that big picture. That's so rewarding. And, and like, I guess like it's the, the cowbell is the magic of the margin, you know, within recording, like the, those little things, you know, I mean, those are so fun and so rewarding and they build this whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some of the hand for speaking of cowbell, some of the hand percussion that we tracked on that was like, you know, if you hear like shaker or clave or tambourine or anything like that, it could be any one of us, and we don't know who did yeah, what Yeah, we all can anymore. turn to, like, yeah. doing that. Like, I've got, like, like some, like, phone videos of, like, you know, Jeff doing a shaker or, like, me doing a clave. Or, but, like, that's the only way we have to know who did what because mm-hmm. we, were, we were just layering it. And it was, it was a combination of, like, oh, I hear something that would be good, mm-hmm. and I think you would play this better because <laughs> your tambourine playing is more precise, right. you know? <laughs> I'm trying to think. It was a was it a Paris Green that yeah uh, yeah with like that Kubian groove like yeah. at the that that was so cool and like that's something that like musically like fits you guys so we, like when you went into that I'm like oh this is so awesome because there's <laughs> something there's something kind of like uh, with that type of groove with the that chord progression that's kind of eerie but insight uh, inviting you know and I'm like oh this is a charming disaster <laughs> like. Uh, uh, pin perfect <laughs> example musically right here. Cool. Um, one one other one track I wanted to kind of ask about was a uh, disembodied head because that yeah. that that tune like stuck out in, a, in like all the, all of them stuck out in good ways and like but that that had like a almost like a velvet underground like vibe yeah. to it. Was that kind of the uh, the approach, or was that kind of what happened? Was that the magic in the margin that happened there when you heard it? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going to that because like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's the bit. I think that's the bit. Like that's such a cool line, and that's like <laughs> you know what I mean that's such a little nugget of insight for so many things. But like, uh, as far as like, was that planned to have that type of vibe, or is that what came out when you guys were directing and trying different things? I think the 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 it came out of like the sound of the song kind of requested that vibe i think okay. you know the way yeah. way it was you know the way it sounded to us when we were coming coming up with it was like oh yeah this is this is kind of like a you know you were you were saying devo like yeah I like, that, I, was like really a devo think, thing. I was really thinking of uncontrollable urge when we were recording okay. it and uh and uh that Ian Spinonius kind of music we've been listening to a lot of uh-huh. uh, the makeup and, the and Shane and the yeah. Gang and the kind of like really like over the top over the top but like garage minimalist, like yeah. yeah 
crazy lyrics and stuff. Um, so, so I think, and like the cramps and that, like a little bit of that feeling to it, you know, that all informed in the, in the mixing sessions and stuff. Yeah. And, and like, like the, the syncopation of the lyrics, which, mm-hmm. you know, like totally. that, like that was like from the get go when we wrote mm-hmm. it, but we wanted to yeah. really highlight that. Totally. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, okay. That's cool. That's, it's interesting. Devo. Um, I could definitely hear you guys definitely having cramps influence like mm-hmm. with a lot of your other work as well, but like ah, that's awesome. Um, so I guess like so kind of like uh, another thing I wanted to ask, completely kind of off topic, and maybe um, one I don't really know what's a grimoire. Oh, uh, <laughs> a grimoire uh, is a magical. It's a book of magic spells. Okay. It's a- like that the text the scripture of uh you know yeah. slash cookbook of uh yeah. of witchcraft so like it in a real like out of like song context like uh experience you are writing your own grimoire with like <laughs> you know what i mean like with yeah. um developing these places and finding this niche that is uniquely you guys Definitely. Um, and it's kind of speaking to that, like our grimoire, we, you know, with this album, we we're releasing our Oracle deck, That's what I was which, gonna... <laughs> you know, which is basically a, you know, a 60 card Oracle deck of each each card being one of our songs that we've released over the past 10 years. And um, and I look at that and it's just like it is a book of magic spells, you know, fine. um and uh yeah so you know we could talk more about the oracle deck but it when i you know we we just got them in the mail and i'm looking at them right now and it's like this it's a culmination of all this work that we've done over the years and actually to get the deck created and printed we we got we collaborated with two dozen artists to um to to, yeah, to, yeah to, we commissioned artwork from two dozen people for those 60 cards and yeah. and it's it's funny i was thinking about this yesterday it's it's a small object it's like mm-hmm. you know four inches by three inches and about an inch thick and um it's a small object but it really feels like a magical object like you open it up and oh, yeah. there are all these cards inside and each like like all the things that have gone into this, it's like 10 years of songwriting and like all these artists, like like just, just the object itself feels like a big project, but the fact that like it also represents like our so whole body work. of work, mm-hmm. like, and it's, it's so compact. So it's like, it's like yeah. very dense with, with like, you know, significance. Yeah, it is like a fudge. It's like <laughs> dense and powerful. That's so cool. Like. Well, the, the, any like even like a, a book or whatever, it's so you know. I mean, there's so much within it, and like that's to like reach out to have like sixty different to, to organize that. Oh man! But like just to have that much work to have sixty songs to pull from, and like that you guys play regularly and be able because you, you do the tarot cards to determine the sets, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, typically we're not drawing from our whole catalog when we're touring. Usually we have like, you know, 20 or 30 songs in the right. mix. But now so you got like... this deck where you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I Who know. knows? We, know we haven't used know. it yet in a, in a live show. We just got them. Yeah. So. FedEx delivered like 17 boxes yesterday. But I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. So typically you go with 20 to 30 songs when you tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like there, there's sort of a sweet spot where like you don't want to have too few songs or you're playing the same set every night and that's less interesting for us. And uh, you don't want to have too many songs. You never get really tight on any of them. Right. And yeah. so, you know, something like a couple dozen songs, maybe 30 songs mm-hmm. is like a, it's like a small enough number for us to have like everything really tight, but a large enough number that like we don't quite know what's going to yeah. happen on any given yeah. draw. And and with yeah with up to 30 songs like each set can be feel so different i i think i was just thinking about like you know the cards that are pulled will have a different feel from one day to the next and you're like oh that was an intense yeah set. Oh, that was dark that was dark <laughs> there are a lot of dark songs yeah. so it's pretty easy for it to get dark <laughs> it's not like a lot of uplifting i mean they're fun songs it's tongue-in-cheeky but 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the uplift is, like, in the music and in the, the like, the communion of, like, performance mm-hmm. and audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And, like, it has to be rewarding just to know. It's, it's, it's. Or I'm trying to find like an equivalent that's not like it's like looking at the tour poster at the end of the tour and just, you know, it's like a minor thing. It's a small sheet of paper, but the amount of work that would went into completing all of it, the making the context within it valid, real and honest is such a heavy thing. And I'm so stoked to hear that for you guys. Like when I was reading that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like just to make that one that's like completely you guys that offer that type of thing. Like, but, but <laughs> the habit relate so much to your history because, like, even when me and my bass player go back and forth on some silly, like, oh no, the pin should have this. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe we put that, you know, in the lower corner. And oh yeah, you, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thousand percent. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but like, don't you think it should be like, like a little bit bigger or like, what if it's red? <laughs> But that's that's so awesome. Um, so like so so with the tarot cards when you're drawing the set, like how like before before the oracle deck, or what or, or was it other oracle? Uh, like I'm a little unfamiliar with the uh, with. Oh sure. So typically we like up until now we've used a traditional tarot deck, um, the kind of uh, classic. Right. It's called. It's known as the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, the yeah. artist. Coleman Smith. And so we had associated ourselves, each of those cards with one of our songs. And sometimes associations are really obvious, like the devil card triggers our song, Devil May Care. And some of them are a little more oblique, like the two of swords is bad song because she's blindfolded. Right. Um, Uh, Okay. That's where I was going to like, how did, how does, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that when people pick, they get very excited or interested in in that in, song in, in that song yeah and they're like yeah that what was that song i think it was the two of cups <laughs> you know what's the name right of more like oh that's blue bottle blue oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome so like with um it's one one other like it's just it's such a cool concept i've never like thought of this with like any other group i've gotten to talk with but just like it's so because like with songwriting and art itself, it's like such a like appreciation for the spur of the moment, right? To mm-hmm. be able to capture this photo of a of a duck flying or something, or just like to mm-hmm. to see he, hear a, com- a passing conversation and someone says one line that becomes a poem or a song, and like mm-hmm. now to kind of think of it too is like the this curiosity and wonder of like how does that why does this thing fall down gravity you know like whatever like you know what i mean like i've never thought of that in that same context until our kind of conversation now so i really appreciate that insight and i guess yeah. my uh my, sorry the research-based song i think is is undervalued in yeah. pop songwriting <laughs> yeah. um, i guess my question is um, you guys at the beginning or kind of at the top, you talked about taking time to do that inspiration. And what does that look like for you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like? Well, ideally, we get to go someplace for at least a few days to kind of sit and work on something, whether it's like a project like the Curie you know, like when we worked on the Curie songs, we were in an artist residency for two weeks in Northern Michigan in the winter. And so it was pretty forced, you know, kind of. Reading and writing time. Yeah, and enforced kind of like isolation, which was which was really helpful. But, you know, we've tried to like recreate that at least on a smaller scale, at least once a year, say, where we go away for three or four days and sit and like either work on something, some outstanding like assignment that we might have or some songs that we wanna finish up or we wanna work on or even to generate some new things and just leave room for, you know, any new songs or possibilities that could come up, whether we're recording them there or not, you know, that's kind of what it looks like where we just, get up in the morning, we usually draw a tarot card. To kind of set the tone of the day, and then we make a little schedule for the day, um, mm-hmm. and then we 
to the schedule and it's a, you know there's some like going off to our separate corners to kind of do stuff separately yep. and then come back together to do the show and tell moment and yep. and then if we have something that's on its feet from the separate corners part then we kind of work on those together like to carry them forward yeah um yeah that's like that's oh and there's a lot of like meal cooking i'm just and, gonna say snacks yeah there's important. a lot of snacks like, and we cook dinner like usually we'll like we'll make dinner and then we'll like have it leftovers for lunch the next day and like like eating is like a big part of our yeah um, and just like yeah working on the meals together sort yeah of, kind of there's something yeah that kind of puts you back in your like in your body in the moment and yeah the present um and we're still way. like collaborating on a thing yeah you know, like whether it's yeah no longer a disembodied head uh, yeah exactly <laughs> And then, and the other thing, so that's, there's the sort of like retreat model, which we, which we've done um, a lot of and are kind of overdue for one. We were, mm -hmm. we were going to do one in January, but Jeff got put on grand jury duty. And, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, and the other thing is uh, more of like an ongoing thing, which is like going to museums mm -hmm. and like looking at art and like having cultural experiences like like consuming yeah. um and experiencing like the things that other people have made seeing a performance yeah uh, and we haven't been doing enough of that lately and um so hopefully we we're gonna do little, and we, we built that into our touring actually like if we have a day off we'll we'll try to do something cool and if we're in a city where we we know there's like an interesting road roadside attraction or right. a neat museum or the world's largest yeah. shoe or something. Yeah. <laughs> we we do like make a point of yeah. seeing those things when we're out, out in the world. Um yeah. That's that's awesome. Um uh in Cleveland, if you're looking for something to do, um, yeah, there's a really cool art gallery called Negative Space. I think you mm -hmm. guys would dig. Oh cool. Um, but I will put it out I'll, I'll send info on that. Um, yeah please that's i think that's so important like joe strummer has this uh input output theory oh yeah where, uh, if you uh i don't know if you guys are hip to joe strummer but um he's uh, the singer of the clash he yeah uh, okay he's got the uh that one record's orange and there's like this funnily line thing on it and it's basically an illustration of that you got you to put out you need to take in and mm. like um and it, it, you guys do this really cool job of illustrating. It can be something that it can be something that's just curiosity and excitement and like educational and really, and that's super inspiring. So with this next batch of tunes that's following this next batch of tunes, I'm very excited to hear and <laughs> see what that's going to be. And I really so, appreciate you guys' time. Oh, it was so fun talking to you. Yeah, great I'm glad talking we got to chat again. Yeah, and I hope we get to meet you in person in Cleveland on yeah. April 29th at the Whispering Theater. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>